0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi. This is Frank Pelicone. It is July 5th, 2020, and tonight's episode is episode 76. It is the top five worst blockbusters of all time. Frank, this has been the most soul-crushing list that you've ever developed.
1: Right. It was really bad to watch.
0: Yeah. Like, I am a worse person now
1: for having rewatched these movies. Hmm. I definitely don't feel like I've made the most of my life in the past week. I'll say that. Right. I don't know if I'm a worse person, but I think the I think the crime is on the creators, not so much the watcher. Mm. Although I guess going into it willingly, it's like self abuse. So I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Is like, a,
0: what what's the whole phrase? Like, fool me once, you know, shame on right. you.
1: Well, fortunately for you, you hadn't seen all these movies. There
0: was only. <laughs> One
1: and a half that I hadn't seen. What's the half? Oh,
0: never mind. Yeah. Um so, but yeah. And actually the other one I'd also seen parts of, so I, I'd seen parts of at least all of these at one point or another. I apologize. Hopefully nobody's hearing the firewall or fireworks going off like around my house. I think it's probably blocked
1: from I can't hear it on my end, so okay. you're probably cool
0: because apparently people can't stop um, themselves even after the
2: holiday is over.
0: So these five movies are really bad. Was there anything else? Well, first of all, let me ask you, like,
1: how do you define blockbuster? I looked at a list of top grossing movies of all time and just went from the top down.
0: Okay, so you're just looking in terms of um, their financial success?
1: Yeah, I tried to look for stuff that was released around the summer, too, as much as I could. Right. Kind of keeping
0: in the theme. Yeah, I did do some research and wrote down the uh, amounts and all that kind of stuff um, that they made to go along with this. So was there anything that came close to making the list
1: that didn't? There's some other movies from franchises that we're going to talk about. That I felt were equally as bad and could have probably been on the list, but I didn't want to overload it with any one franchise. Sure, Um, sure. there was some stuff like The Day After Tomorrow. I don't know things like that were blockbusters in like the '90s before like movies became what what I consider like true blockbusters. So you know, like the hundreds and hundreds of millions stuff like. Like Cliffhanger and Eraser, both I think qualified, just in terms of their gross, but they weren't nearly to the level of this stuff. Um, Well, I mean, I think,
0: couldn't you also possibly define Blockbuster as something that was intended to be a Blockbuster as well, you think?
1: Maybe. I mean, because then it would have been stuff like Battlefield Earth that could have been on there, but a movie that like cost a lot of money and then failed epically, to me, is funnier than like there's there's a certain level of in order for a movie to be a blockbuster it has to be competent enough to trick enough people to go and see it like a large enough portion of the population to spend money on it so a lot of times stuff that were supposed to be blockbusters but failed are things that like that John Carter of Mars movie right, um, or Cowboys and Aliens or you know like I said like Battlefield Earth you know there's plenty of stuff that Waterworld. Waterworld, The Postman, mm-hmm. you know, that costs like $100 million to make that studios expect to recoup their money on, um, but just made nothing. Yeah. You know, they thought, um, I was watching that documentary the other night on the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau <clears throat> um, that ended up getting uh, the director changed and then um, John Frankenheimer took over for it. And then it's just, a, it's the, the Marlon Brando one. Like, they legitimately thought that was going to be a tentpole movie and Mm -hmm. possibly even the start of a series until, like, everything kind of went south. So, but that's another movie, like, that didn't make any money and you watch it and you're like, okay. You you know, Showgirls is another one that I think they thought was going to make a lot of money that, I guess they made, like, a decent amount, but not nearly the level. So,
2: yeah, I think
1: a blockbuster has to legitimately be something that's, like, uh, to be on this list, I think it has to be objectively bad upon like modern viewing and enough people had to like mark out to it like when it was out that they spent all that money to see it yeah
0: and as we go through these numbers enough people mark out to these movies and spend a lot of money on
1: them so and some of these movies were really popular among audiences like and still have like pretty high like tomato meter scores from when i was looking at it but and th- there's some there's some movies that i just aren't i'm not a particularly big fan of i mean like We haven't really talked about it on the channel much, but I think both of us have a moderate distaste for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Ring movies. Um, Like, I'm a little softer on them than you are, but those are definitely movies that, you know, subjectively, like, we don't find to be that great, but they still, you know, some of the highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah and
0: ironically my uh wife and her effort to stop smoking has been through all the Harry Potter movies already and um yeah is now just just started the Lord of the Rings um tonight like when i
1: like walked in um yeah so like i would argue like Prisoner of Azkaban is a terrible movie um but it was a blockbuster and people like genuinely love it and have a lot of affection for it so so i don't want to put anything like that on there that seems like could be interpreted as like sour grapes or I don't know. Right. Like, I think that I, I think all five movies that I picked are movies that when you watch them in the modern world, like there's just enough wrong with them that you can see that they're not good movies. Right. Or maybe you can't, and I'm just being an asshole. I don't know, but I, I hated every one of them Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Same. Okay. Um, so you want to get started with
0: us then? Yeah, yeah, we good. All right, so I do want to do something a little different, um, considering this is a worst-of list, uh, which is only the second time we've done a worst-of list. Um, the only other time we did it was those horror remakes um,
2: about mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah.
0: So what I want to do is, since normally it's you saying why you like the movie and then going to the criticism, really you're kind of giving the criticism here. Right. So I kind of want to start off um, when I introduce the movie of kind of going through a prominent critic that defended it um, mm-hmm. during its initial run. So I'm going to kind of follow that pattern for this episode. So the number five movie on your list is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace from 1999. It is directed by George Lucas, it stars Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Jake Lloyd. It has a 53% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 59% from audiences. Hmm. So it uh, was made on a budget of 115 million. It grossed uh, 1.02 billion. Um, In um, in terms of inflation from 1999, that's about 1.5 billion overall. It's actually the highest grossing, certainly. On your list here. Um, So one of the prominent defenders at the time of it was Roger Ebert actually Um, and he says that at risk of offending devotees of the force I will say that the stories of the Star Wars movies have always been space operas and that the importance of the movies comes from their energy, their sense of fun, their colorful inventions and their state-of-the-art special effects. I do not attend with the hope of gaining insights in the human behavior. Unlike many movies, these are made to be looked at more than listened to, and George Lucas and his collaborators have filled The Phantom Menace with wonderful visuals. It says there are many places here, new kinds of places. Consider the underworld cities, the f- floating in their transparent membranes, the Senate chamber, a vast sphere of senators arrayed along the inside walls, and speakers floating on pods in the center and other places, the cityscape, and he goes on and on describing all these places. He says that he was happy to drink in the sights on the screen in the same spirit I might enjoy Metropolis, Forbidden Planet, 2001, Dark City, or The Matrix. The difference is that Lucas's visuals are more fanciful and his film's energy level is more cheerful. He doesn't share the prevailing view that that the future is dark and lonely place. What he does have in abundance is exhilaration. There's a sense of discovery in scene after scene of The Phantom Menace as he tries out new effects and ideas and seamlessly integrates real characters and digital ones, real landscapes and imaginary ones. We are standing at the threshold of a new age of epic cinema, I think, in which digital techniques mean that budgets will no longer limit the scope of scenes. Filmmakers will be able to show us just about anything they can imagine. As surely as Anakin Skywalker points to the future of Star Wars, so does The Phantom Menace raise the curtain on this new freedom for filmmakers. And it's a lot of fun. The film has correctly been given the PG rating. It's suitable for a younger audience and doesn't depend on violence for its effects. As for the bad rep about the characters, hey, I've seen space operas that put their emphasis on human personalities and relationships. They're called Star Trek movies. Give me transparent underwater cities and vast, hollow, senatorial spheres any day. So that was um, Ebert actually predicting that this was going to change um, cinema in terms of the effects and stuff like that, but also um, saying, like, hey, this is a fun movie. Um, You know, um, go look at it and be all... So what do you have to say about...
1: I don't know. I mean, it's just... That's just wrong. Like, there's nothing really fun about Phantom Menace like it's it's got a couple of scenes that I guess are exciting like maybe what's I mean, the mostly, mostly it's really the it's really just the duel of the fate shit like at the end um, the fight between you know Anakin Obi-Wan and Darth Maul is the best part of the movie and it's like 15 minutes of the movie and even then it still is just, like, mostly boring because a lot of it's just sitting, waiting for the doors to open or whatever, <clears throat> the barriers to release so they can fight each other. Like, it's not even a consistent battle. Um yeah. Like, the thing that's enjoyable about the Star Wars, the first trilogy, more than anything, is that they're very, like, reverential to the, you know, I mean, like, he wears his influences on his sleeve. Like, you can see you know, Errol Flynn and swashbuckling and samurai movies and um, westerns. And it's just, it's very much, like, rooted in, like, the pulp theater, the pulp, like, films of the 40s and 50s and 60s. And Lucas, you know, like, what he grew up watching, he just made basically, like, within his own universe. And you don't need a lot of exposition. Like, there's really complicated ideas in Star Wars that, they don't belabor you with, like, the details of it. It's just kind of like, okay, here's the Force. The Force exists. This is what the Force does, and that's it. Like, you don't really get, like, these huge explanations. Whereas, like, fucking Qui-Gon Jinn spends ten minutes, like, explaining fucking midichlorians, you know what I mean? And, like, why they're going after Anakin in the first place. Like, why he's important. And, you know, and, like, how they can even... It's just... And like you know, fucking tax embargoes or trade embargoes, and I don't know. It's just it's it's way too much exposition that leads you to one scene that matters, basically. Like right. even the whole whole first part of the movie, like none of that stuff matters in the grand scheme of things. A character that you spend three quarters or no, like four fifths of the movie with, dies and doesn't even matter. Like in in yeah. the end, you know it's. Really, and I hate Attack of the Clones, and I consider putting Attack of the Clones on here. That was going to be...
0: That's my one of my questions about this, is how you feel about Attack of the Clones, if this yeah, is what I, you put on the
1: list. I think Attack of the Clones is objectively a worse movie than Phantom Menace, just in terms of like its dialogue and its pacing and the ridiculousness of it. But at least it's like advancing a plot, you know, sure. that leads into the third and then into... um. Are the trilogy that we grew up with, mm-hmm. this movie has literally like 20 minutes mm-hmm. that matter after the movie ends, like for the rest of the entire series. Like it never matters that Anakin was a good pod racer, except that it sets up the idea that, okay, he can like pilot things naturally because he's attuned to the force. But you could have shown that in like five minutes. You know right. what I mean? Sure. I mean,
0: you you couldn't have crafted uh, seriously. You're right. This like what matters out of this movie is 15 minutes, and you couldn't have crafted those 15 minutes after the scroll in the movie and just jumped into the actual story that does start in two. Now I'm just ignoring the fact that Lucas can't write or direct his own movies because they're often terrible. But um, but yeah, you couldn't have just handled like you couldn't have just dealt with Anakin like and right. his abilities like that quickly
1: right start with friggin the Darth Maul fight you know what I mean and like I don't know. it's the, the only reason this movie is number five and not higher on the list because I genuinely hate this movie
2: mm-hmm.
1: is because there's at least Lucas for all his flaws is at least a, like cognizant of what a film is you know what I mean like he understands character introductions he understands exposition he understands narrative beats you know i mean it's really boring there's a lot of like really bad stuff and we haven't even talked about jar jar binks you know who's legitimately like an offensive character but for the most part lucas made a movie that even though you're bored like you still identify it as like a film you know what i mean and it like it makes sense within its own stupid logic even though like i don't agree with that logic like i understand i understand that he thought he was like creating this like really poignant origin story for this character that when you finally see his fall from grace two movies later it would be that much more impactful because you saw him as a kid like having fun and, and being like innocent but the thing is is like you already know darth vader like you're not introducing a character here it's a character that's already had, like, his, whatever, his end of his hero's journey where he's, like, risen from the ashes and come back as, like, a hero. So you don't need yeah. to be sympathetic towards him in that way because you already are. You know what I mean? Like, you already know the end story of Darth you, you already so. know he
0: redeems himself, so... Right.
1: right. So see him as a child, it makes no sense. There's... And you and I have talked about this, because it's one of my favorite things from YouTube over the past like decade, but um, Red Letter Media has a really good breakdown of this movie in particular um, on their YouTube channel. Uh, it's four episodes long, it's about four hours worth of like, time, but really, really good breakdown of like where the film falls short in terms of its narrative and its plot development. And, it, and it's really right, like 100% on everything. Um, and it's just like it's just a really racist movie. It's like George Lucas has been like in a cave or something. Like he's Obi Wan and coming out, and he's like, "Hey, are these like Charlie Chan looking aliens? Like, is that cool? Like, that's funny,
2: right? Right?
1: You know, like, yeah. hey, some um, this like obvious like I don't know like minstrel show caricature of an alien." that's like going to like humbly serve our like two white knight leads like that's cool right like that's something that <clears throat> i liked in 1945 like it's like no george lucas like read the room but right
2: yeah
0: no that's yeah that's all correct um <clears throat> if i'm if i'm trying to look past that, that a little bit which is really hard to do um and just kind of look at this from the idea of okay you already know this character now we're going to tell this character's story the thing is it's not just his story it's also the emperor's story and it's under and then some degree obi-wan's story too i guess like those are the three that are in the original trilogy and i do think the instinct to i think what lucas was going for in this is like the idea of like almost political intrigue like spy type stuff in the background um and I do think the instinct was correct to do that political intrigue of like, how does some how does the emperor come into existence? And it starts with something as small as trade laws, you know. And cool. I, I I think that makes a lot of sense to show how how a dictator comes into power. And I and I, but the problem is, it's not interesting. Like right, there's nothing, there's nothing interesting about what he's doing with it.
1: Like how could that not be like? like a like a 10 minute scene of conversation between obi-wan and mace windu in a movie talking about like how they have to enforce some edict from senator palpatine Mm -hmm. and it's like hey do you remember when he had us do this and it led to this like maybe we should be more cautious and like right there in like one line of dialogue you can talk about like these trade wars and these like unfair taxation and what's going on in the universe and not have to see it you know sure yeah i like you you complain about rogue one and like you and i feel differently about rogue one
2: mm-hmm.
1: but rogue one is the extrapolation of one line of dialogue in a new hope yeah you know many both in spies lost their lives to bring us this information right it's like a three minute scene that they push into like a two hour and 20 minute movie and it's like sometimes that three minute scene is enough where my imagination when it's a kid, like as a, like a three year old, four year old was good enough that I just kind of made up my own story about that shit. And it's, it was like mysterious and it still like got the point across. So, yeah, I don't know. So but,
0: I, I think the other problem with this too is every, everybody who goes and watches this has seen the original trilogy, at least at the time or. it came out. And it's like, you already, I, I, there's a flaw in the whole thing in the sense that it's like there is no intrigue and there is no mystery to it because you already know who the villain is,
2: right? And, it, and you
1: know it's the it's the one thing that Marvel learned towards the latter part of its if, if it's Phase One films, in that you don't need to spend an hour of every movie reminding me what I already know. Right. Like, have some faith that I understand the basic like origins of characters that are coming out of the comics and I don't need a huge origin story. Like that's why Thanos is so awesome and such like a good villain in those last movies and throughout the whole series, because you don't spend all this time like focusing on Thanos in the past. It's, you know, a couple of scenes that explain why Thanos is a bad guy and then show him being a badass and exciting scenes. And then it builds up to the point where you care about him as a villain.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it feels like in this movie, it's like there's some scenes with Palpatine where it's like, it's this very kind of campy, like, you know, like, like a line of dialogue is said, and it's just Palpatine looking like, Hmm. Right. Right. And it's like, like, there's nothing subtle about it. There's nothing. It's just, um, yeah. And let me just, last thing I'll say about this is, um, I think Lucas has a terrible sense of humor when he writes his own stuff. Um, I, I think it's. I, I think he has one of the worst senses of humor in terms of, um, um, like the big name directors and stuff like that. Like, I don't think he's. I, I don't think he's a man that has like a humorous bone in his body. Like, probably in his daily life, really. Like, um, let alone, um, well, being able know, to I, write that.
1: I, and, I think that George Lucas is 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 Kane, whatever. Um, Orson Wells from Citizen Kane, George Foster hmm. Kane, whatever. Yeah, Charles, like Wilson, Charles. Yeah, he has this this sense of humor. That's this nugget from his past. Yeah, that he's drawing from. But it's like I don't know. It just it, it's outdated and it's yeah. not I mean, look, relevant. we grew up.
0: We grew up with this dude. Like, so I, I'm not like talking like you know completely out of my ass. I've seen tons of interviews with this guy, and it's like he laughs a lot. Like he kind of like chortles like a lot um, with that fucking beard and. I, um, anything he chortles at, it's not funny. It's never funny. Like, and I, I seriously have never heard him say anything particularly witty or funny. And, like, I don't think the guy has, like, a, like I said, I don't think he has, I I think he's lacks all humor. And, um, it doesn't mean he's not, like, a really creative guy, but it's like he shouldn't be writing anything that he thinks is funny into a movie. And, um, I think that the humor I, I if you I actually think the only reason a new hope worked with some of the humor in it is because Harrison Ford's that good. Oh, because right. I I think the Han Solo character, if you take if you take his wryness away, um, it's just a really mean character. And um and and I think you know ford always injected that with you know something different you know um that made it appealing and i again it's like any this it's like there there's nothing funny and you see what he does in attack of the clones which is why i actually think it's worse than this is cuz some of the humor in that movie is
1: even worse and um, you know what there and i don't want to like i don't want to talk about attack of the clones too much yeah again at least attack of the clones is five or six major set pieces that are action-based and that can, like, make the story... Con- like, even if it's not good what you're seeing, at least things are happening the entire time you're watching that movie.
0: Well, here's the thing is, like, it's, it's a difference between, I think, this movie and that movie. It's, like, a difference between... I agree with you completely. It, it advances the story, at least. It actually has, like, maybe better pacing to some degree. Um, but it's, like, it's the, it's the argument between do you want to be bored for two and a half hours or do you want to groan at what you see for two and a half hours?
1: Yeah. I'd and, rather groan than, than be bored. Yeah. Let's
0: say, so, yeah. And I, I, I yeah. Um, huh. yeah, I, I, it, it actually, ugh. All I think of, man, in Attack of the Clones is that damn scene where he's surfing on the back of that CGI. Oh,
1: terrible. Fucking... Uh, a, a toxic dart? All, yeah, and the awesome toxic... Movie.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. All terrible. But you movie. know but... what?
1: Like, we've laughed more about Attack of the Clones... That's <laughs> true. That's true. ...in the past 20 years. And yeah. you can't, like... There's nothing... Yeah, there's nothing to laugh at here. Like, just remember how, like, depressed you were leaving the theater after seeing this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it was... Heartbreaking that, like, this is what I waited for. Like, this, oh, it was me and me
0: and friend of the podcast, Ryan Wallmaker, went to go see it like together. Um, the two of us, and there was definitely those some justify like trying to justify this movie's existence, like that was going on, even though we both knew it wasn't good. Um, it was like, well, like this scene was okay, <laughs> right? You know, but it was, yeah, it was just a a lot of disappointment, you know, um, that, that came with it because you're just waiting like, you know, for at this point, like, you know, probably 16 years of your life. You know, my life, I started watching those movies when I was like three, you know, um, was more
2: was than that different.
1: for me.
0: Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. The entirety of my life. Yeah. And I also just last thing I want to say is God, Lucas cannot direct people. He is one of the, again, it's just like his humor. It's like, he is to me, he's one of the worst, Big name blockbuster um, filmmakers when it comes to directing live human beings.
1: So there's one thing I want to say about that. Like, I think that's a really good lead into the next four movies. And mm-hmm. I was going to say this anyway, but this is a really good setup. Okay, this movie is to blame for how terrible the next four movies are. I think, and it's for two reasons. It's th- this is the first like true all CGI blockbuster where like almost every single thing is a non-practical effect it's like a computer generated effect and I think it's got to be like especially then when people weren't used to it it's got to be incredibly difficult to direct someone because you 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 see behind the scenes stuff right from this movie Mm -hmm. with him directing like um um Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor in front of a green screen it's like the original Star Wars like you know Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill are looking at a puppet that looks like a thing right so their reaction to that puppet thing can be natural like even if his direction isn't great even if the script's not great they can provide you with a natural reaction to something that exists like you're saying um, hey you and McGregor and Liam Neeson you two classically trained like british actors there's this floppy-eared moderately like fish like character that's saying these things to you you know what i mean and then yeah. um I, I can't remember what the name of the guy that played the, the, the poor poor man that took that role as jar jar um you know and then you got to react to a dude wearing like a skin tight suit with balls on the outside of it you know what i mean right, like, right yeah. you're not reacting to like a creature or a thing you're reacting to an idea and it's like no matter what happens, the idea in my head is going to be different than the idea in your head. So you're kind of reacting to two different things. Like,
0: yeah, no, it, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I I think there's evidence in a new hope that I'm still correct that he doesn't know how to direct actors. Um, that sure. he's really bad at it. Like, so you're right. I think it's a more difficult job for the actor, so it's hard to blame them. Um, and. I, but I still think Lucas is just bad at it, so I think it's doubly bad.
1: Sure, that's fine.
0: I mean, the only but, the only the only person that actually
1: like I think is actually decent in this is Liam Neeson. Yes, yeah, and Liam Neeson mostly because he's playing a stoic, yeah, internally driven character. So his motivation is coming like from the inside as an actor, as opposed to like reacting to things around him yeah I don't know like I don't want to talk about this movie anymore, but I'm saying that like this movie allows the next four movies, so number one'll be over two hours long, yeah, all'll be c g i heavy and all'll be absolute poor shit, so yeah. so Ebert
0: was right in that regard um that this is um this is raising the the that uh, what sure. did they say the the curtain on the new freedom for filmmakers, yeah,
1: and it's a well, lot of fun that's it, what, it that's what he was wrong about definitely sets sets a bar you know sets a standard so yep okay all right let's move on Number 45 minutes about fucking phantom minutes nah Nah. it feels like it yeah it was like 20 minutes dude um although uh, to be honest watching that movie last week it felt like i watched it for like six hours and 42 minutes so yes i
0: agree it was very long um and it's like we're talking about it for 20 minutes on here and you and i have talked about this movie i bet you for at least like eight hours of our lives together probably, um, probably. all right so number four on your list is 19 uh, 2009's 2012 um directed well, right. by roland emmerich um stars john kuzak amanda pete uh Chiwetel 4 Dandy Newton, Oliver Platt. It has a 39% from critics, 47% from audiences. It was made on $200 million. It uh, had domestic gross, or I'm sorry, worldwide gross of 769 million, which in today's money is 919. Uh, okay, so Jim Shabry of Australia newspaper, The Age, um, says, with 2012, Emmerich, the maestro of mass destruction responsible for Independence Day and the day after tomorrow, delivers a great, big, fat, stupid, greasy cheeseburger of a movie designed to show in vivid detail what the end of human civilization will look like, according to his vast army of brilliant visual effects artists. And it's a splendor to behold. 2012 is at heart an old school disaster movie that closely follows the template set by Irwin Allen's classic 1974 disaster pick, The Towering Inferno. It's easy to mock throwaway blockbusters like 2012, but as enthralling mindless entertainment, the film is difficult to fault. Why carp about a movie that offers you a photorealistic depiction of an aircraft carrier tumbling over the Washington Monument? uh yeah so um it seems to me if i'm just paraphrasing the argument here is again kind of like ebert this is fun um it's 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 really nice to look at it has stuff that you could never actually see and um why um why why bitch about that so
1: tell me why you bitch about this movie so i suspect that we're going to hear a very similar argument three out of the next four or two out of the three next movies we talk about after this one and it's one of the worst like logical fallacies in film review and I think also in like just you can watch a bad movie that you know objectively is bad and have fun laughing at it because even like the worst like B movies tend to have a soul to them you know what I mean like there's Like, I watched this movie a couple weeks ago called Birdemic. Mm -hmm. Fucking one of the worst things I've ever watched. Like, absolutely terribly acted, terribly directed, just awful. But you could tell the dude cared so much about making the movie that even though it was terrible, like, it was still fun to watch. Like, I laughed. I had a good time watching it. You know what I mean? Like, this movie has no... No humanity to it, like it's. it's, I mean, the basic premise of like the Mayan calendar was right, and the world is gonna like take you know the best and brightest, but also the richest, and save them, and that's like part of the thing, which is a really tired trope, I think, honestly, and it's been explored. I don't know, and, like, numerous, like, especially in science fiction. Like, everyone in science fiction loves that dystopian idea of the fact that, oh, the rich are going to be the ones. It's probably true, you know, 100%, but whatever. Like, it jumps all over the place, number one, way too much. And it's got these, it basically has two plots that you're following. So it's got the the conspiracy theory plot about, like, people that were trying to reveal to the world that the world was going to end or get murdered. And this one, um, what's his name? I, I can never say his name. Chew Ch- 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 I Tell Ch- Ch- I-G-O-4. I- yeah, a well, fucking fantastic actor. Yes, absolutely. Like, is the one that discover like, that brought this to light and, you know, is making the U.S. government aware and is getting us prepared for it. And then the other story is this failed writer who's, like, not a good dad and not a good person. <laughs> and John Cusack is, like, trying to, like, spend some time with his kids and discovers that this is happening. So basically able to like miraculously save his family and get them to safety like while California is collapsing into the ocean. But like any disaster movie, I mean, he mentions Towering Inferno. And like you look at stuff like Towering Inferno and Poseidon Avenger and even something like Titanic, right? Like, I guess I'm not a huge fan of disaster movies. Like I don't really find them that interesting. But the ones that work are ones that are following, like, one thing happening. Like, it's a thing, you know, like, the Towering Inferno is a building that's burning down. You know, the Poseidon Adventure is a boat that's sinking. Titanic is a boat that's sinking. So everything that's happening, even if it's, like, got multiple characters and multiple plot points, is happening in one place. Fucking 2012 happens over the span of the entire globe and cuts between, like, all these different scenes, characters that aren't necessarily likable and you don't particularly care about and is nothing but an excuse at every turn to just have action, set piece, action, set piece, action, set piece, which honestly don't look all that great and really aren't even like that thrilling. Like, I'm sitting there watching a fucking plane... (coughs) Like, fly through a collapsing, whatever, Las Vegas, you know, cityscape. And I'm just like, oh my god, when is this going to end? Like, can this just not end? Right. And everything is just manufactured tension. Like, you don't really feel... Again, because it's, like, so spread out, like, the stakes are just... It's not going to catch up to them when they're
0: driving away in the car. It's not going
1: to catch up to them, and you know it. Right, because you know that like this these are the heroes, right, and even though they kind of like try to throw you off a few times by having you know like spoiler alert like killing Danny Glover, the president, you know halfway through the movie, um having like the the stepfather get killed and having the you know the limo driver get killed, who are like honestly the two only likable characters really in the whole movie, sure, um like all of those things it still is so telegraphed and it's so irrelevant to like it just it's not there because it matters it's just there to advance the plot point and it's just I don't know like this is the best example I think of just let's throw every single special effect and idea we have into a blender and just see what happens You know, I mean, even, like, fucking Day After Tomorrow is at least mostly isolated in one city with one group of people. Like, the majority of that movie is, you know, trying to get out of New York. Like, and there's, like, different scenes, like, whatever, different settings, but that's the majority of it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think just, like, spreading it out all over the place. And the acting is awful, and the dialogue is awful. And... Like the scenes are ridiculous, and
0: see, I the only thing I'll say is it doesn't matter after a certain point. I, I I've told you like off air that I kind of like like the first like kind of twenty minutes of this where it's like this idea of like oh something's coming. Like I didn't mind all that. I felt like it was for 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 a setup. I didn't think it was that bad, but I think a lot of that has to do with IGF four. Is yeah, I think it, he brings it, a certain yeah. like gravitas to the roles that he plays where like he makes you feel it matters and it, so I didn't yeah. mind any of that except for then you get into the Kuzak shit and like you know everything else and it just it none of it matters eventually because it's all just bad but um but I thought like the the setup of this is fine but it's like do you remember I'm pretty sure you watched um Studio 60 it's gonna be a weird reference, but um, you I do do. watch that, right? So yeah. do you remember? Do you remember um, at the very the very first scene of that where Judd Hirsch um, it's it's always a Sorkin trope, but it's like the very first scene of the show, uh, he goes on that rant and gets fired, um, like on live air where he's talking about how media is like, you know, nothing is true, it's destroying your brain, like all these other things, and he says like the only place that we we have left to go is is the snuff film. Um, and we'll get there someday. We'll just be putting up death in
1: front of you. Um, right. That's that's what this is. Right. That's all it's ever been. I mean, yeah. and it's... It's Roland Emmerich, you know, and he's... Yeah. That's what this dude does. And, and look, I think Independence Day is a fun movie. Um, Sure. But objectively, Independence Day is not a good movie. Of course not, but it's a fun movie, and this, ha- this, la- this doesn't have any of that fun. Right. Uh, Independence Day is also saved by the fact that Jeff Goldblum and um not Bill Paxton but Bill Pullman Mm -hmm. and um Will Smith are genuinely like engaging in that movie sure like and I asked you this question I texted you this when I was watching this movie like John Cusack is a terrible father and was apparently a terrible husband yeah why is it that like why is that the trope of like men in like any of these movies that the guy is a clueless brainless asshole who's so self-obsessed they're always forgetting their kids somewhere you know they're always like leaving them or ditching them for something else or i don't know it's just like
0: well the the right wing would have you believe that it's um a that it's a purposeful um uh it's a purposeful, like you know, tactic of far left leaning media to um, to like a uh, make men look bad. Um, like so, that's one argument for the whole
1: thing. So listen, um, I'd agree I, with that. If if the men become the heroes, though, like always, right? And not so because I, they I, fundamentally change, just because like. This started when we were young,
0: it, to me. Like, it's like, I, I've told you, I've talked, we've talked a little bit about this before. Um, but I, I think it started with the Simpsons largely, um, with the idea of, because you, you think about like what it was like before. Um, it's like, you know, the, 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 the men might have been what, like scoundrels in some ways. So it's like you look at like cheers or stuff like that. But a lot of times they were stand up people. Um, and, and, you know it's like and you go far enough back you look it's like the the power dynamics are reversed like lucy's a bumbling fool you know and desi's cool as shit like you know always coming in and like you know saving the day um and then it's like you know edith is a ditz but archie's a fucking asshole and a racist you know i mean so there's a little bit like of of a balance there to some degree even though she's always morally correct um and it's like slowly you get to get to this point where it's like father man is a bumbling fool um, that means well usually um but it's still a bumbling incompetent fool and a woman has to save him like, um and that's home improvement um is that like you know uh, uh um the simpsons i think is like really like the the, the the spark of that whole thing but it's like everybody loves raymond uh, King of Queens, to some extent, like not that I, I didn't watch. I just seen episodes of these shows, and it's like, but they all follow the same pattern with the same. And it's like males are just bumbling idiots.
1: They're idiots, but they're not bad husbands or parents.
0: Yeah, they're like they're,
1: Chevy Chase in the Vacation movies.
2: Uh-huh. Is
1: a doofus, but he's the doofus because he just wants to like. He loves his kids and his wife so much that he just wants to have like. He wants to provide them with the best time. you know. Like He wants to, like, make their lives happy. Like, John Cusack forgets. He's not even, like, doing anything. He's just asleep on the couch and forgets to go pick up his kids. You know, it's like, right. I don't know. He's just a terrible person. And there was something else I saw recently, too, that, um, I can't remember a movie I was watching, but it was the same thing. It was, like, this dad who just, like, forgot, like, his children somewhere. And yeah. oh, it's um fucking Nicolas Cage and uh next or whatever, mm. like this guy, and he just
2: Good old so obsessed
1: with right. Well, so obs- I'm surprised none of his movies are on here, but so obsessed with um the thing that he's working on that he forgets his son. Like that's I don't, I just I think it's a really stupid trope, and I think that you can have a father like. It,
0: and it's something that you particularly like. will see much more than I will. I mean, um, just because you have you have a son, you know, and it's like, uh, and I and I I see it. I, I know exactly what you mean when you talk about it. But it's like not something I consciously like. Really think about. But so, anyways, I, so you're completely right, the, though.
1: Yeah, the, this is a movie I have the least to say about, just because I honestly. Like, while I think it's a really bad movie, and I think it's really poorly done, it's not objectively offensive in the same way that, like, the next three movies are. Um, It's just not good. And I can't believe it made as much money as it did. Yeah. Like, it's crazy that this movie and modern, like, box office would have made a billion dollars, almost. Like, that that many people thought, you know, it doesn't even have the rock in it. You know, like, I could understand if it was, like, a Dwayne Johnson vehicle. Like, it's a John Cusack vehicle. Like, the fuck? Right, right. John yeah. Cusack is one of those dudes in the same way that, um, I don't know. Who, there, there was another guy I was thinking about yesterday who I was like, oh, it was, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Fucking Adrian Brody. Like, who looked at Adrian Brody and thought, yeah, that's my star. You know? <laughs> like, that's my action star. <laughs> Yeah. Like John Kuzak, yeah. Uh-huh. That's the guy. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger
1: yeah. would be rolling over in his grave if he had one. <laughs> oh. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's bad. It's, 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 it was, yeah. And it was very, very, very mind numbing to watch. Yeah. Like, I was never engaged in this movie, and I never. Cared what was going to happen next. Nah, I didn't I care. I didn't winning. care about any of those characters. Yeah. Like I only watched this movie in like fits and spurts at work, like on a bootleg, like when it came out years ago. So I didn't really remember. Like I would like see a scene, like all right, I remember this scene, and they're like all right, I remember the scene. But man, like I was like, I didn't care about the narrative arc. I didn't care if anybody survived. And in the end, you get no fucking like positive resolution. Like the poor stepfather just dies. And then, like, literally, like, six hours later, she's like, yeah, we're back together. Like, I love you. Right. Like, nobody even cares about this man. The most interesting man and, like, one of the best characters in the whole movie. And, like, you don't even care about him anymore. He's just, he's done. He's dead. Right. We're back to Kuzak now.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they try to, like, turn you against him early on, like, where he's kind of, like, a prodding dick in the grocery store. Um, but then they try to make him sympathetic and they do largely make him sympathetic um, and like a decent guy who actually cares about her and the kids and then right. they kill him and then it's like well hold on was I supposed to dislike this? I think it was actually very cynically like purposely done in that it's like the first reaction you get to him is like ah, oh, this guy's kind of a dick and then it's like right. oh he's okay so what you do is you end up having this fake this fake they're hoping to get people to be like, oh, oh no, he's dead, but not really care that much because he was kind of a dick. And well, I think it's, I
1: would... go ahead.
0: I just think it's very purposely done to generate uh fake sympathy for one, for, for, for 10 seconds um, before you move on to the next shit.
1: I was really upset at first because I thought they were going to do the, um, Phil Hartman and jingle all the way. Um, trope with this guy which is where like he's really like an underhanded skis and she doesn't see it because he's like smarmy and like tricks her but um like you see it but then it was like every scene he was in he gets increasingly more likable it's like okay this guy's like cooking breakfast because he cares about the kids this guy's going to like practice with the kids
2: yeah right guys
1: like actually trying to have like trying to build a decent relationship with the ex, even though the ex is like a complete asshole, yeah, and he cares about the wife and the kids
0: and I think if there is any any depth to this, it could have been a really interesting story where it's like and I think that's what they were trying to get at, but there's no depth to it, but it's like is the idea that Kuzak almost like learns how to be a better person by watching this man right, you know, and so, it's like but but that you don't get that point it never comes across really,
1: or anything like that, like I mean I. Yeah. So in the way we did with Phantom Menace, let me say that I think that if this movie would have taken place just in Los Angeles, in them trying to get from their house to some place where they can, like, get away from the destruction, it would have been like a series of set pieces and like an hour less runtime. It might have been actually like a pretty entertaining movie, but it's super friggin' long and it's just like, it's just too much. It's like Hey, now we're in Vegas. Hey, now we're in China. Hey, now we're flying over. Well, I guess Hawaii goes before China, but like, hey, now we're here. Now we're here. Now this thing's happening. Now look at this big special effect of fucking. I don't know, like these waves crushing all of it. Just terrible.
0: So let me ask you this: If Phantom Menace, if Lucas is the guy who kind of like opens the door on all of this, as you were kind of saying earlier, right? Is it Peter Jackson's fault with Lord of the Rings that basically takes like a wrecking ball and puts it through the entire door in that side of the house?
1: I mean, I think that Lucas sets up Peter Jackson to do that because lucas allowed Lucas allowed the idea of the singularly creator controlled universe to be an effective thing mm-hmm. like Lucas is the reason why there's no studio interference in the stuff that like these people are making. Like where they just get to like have their millions of hundreds of millions of dollars and make their movies and do whatever they want and be like basically like masturbatory, which is what Roland Emmerich's doing. Roland Emmerich's just like taking probably every single crazy ass thing he wanted to do in any movie in the past and just rolling it into one movie. Yeah, he's
0: well, like, I'm just, let me do my load. Yeah, I'm just wondering because it's like like you were saying about like keeping these things like it maybe they could have been better if you keep it like kind of smaller. And I just wonder if, like, uh, Peter Jackson, with the idea of, like, the epicness, you know, everything, like, every scene having to be epic, like, I just wonder, and and then bloating it to three and a half hours and shit like that. Like, I just wonder if he just is the natural, like, evolution of Lucas, and he's the one that allows some kind of fucking mess like this
1: to, like, really, like, fully come into form. Yeah, that might be true. I mean, definitely the Lord of the Rings movies showed that you can have a three-hour movie that can still make, you know, a billion dollars. Right. We actually, I remember in the theater business at the time, we thought those movies would not be as successful because you couldn't show them as many times a day. You can only have three showings a day of any one of those movies. And um, we were proven wrong. Like, you know, they just had staying power and, you know, so I guess that is, like, Peter Jackson showed a studio that you can let a creator, like, basically go ham on whatever idea they have, and it still is, um, you know, can be financially successful. Yeah. And then the audiences prove It doesn't matter how good a movie is, because people will go and watch any shit, like, as long as everybody else thinks that, like, there's some merit to it or whatever. Or somebody says, like, oh, it's a fun movie. It's a popcorn movie. It's mindless. Just enjoy yourself and don't think about it. But, like, I don't know. I'm not a fucking lobotomy patient, so right.
2: Okay.
0: So um slightly different argument for the next guy. Um, but the next guy's a piece of shit, so um oh.
2: <laughs> all what, right. the director?
0: No 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 no, 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 no the, the the reviewer. <laughs> oh are the, we going
1: into the next movie? We're
0: going to the next movie, yeah. Okay. I'm done talking about two thousand twelve. Yeah me too. Um and I poured my other drink so I can get through these next three movies. So, um, number three on your list is Spider-Man 3 from 2007. It's directed by Sam Raimi. It stars Toby Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Thomas Hayden Church, Topher Grace, and Bryce Dallas Howard. It has a 63% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, a 51% from audiences. One of the defenders of this movie is Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. He says... In an era of... God, he's such a fucking sellout. He's such a fucking sellout. In an era of cynical cash and sequels, Spider-Man 3, like its two predecessors, has a heartbeat that resonates just as strongly as its box office ka-ching. Director Sam Raimi, who wrote the script with his brother Ivan and Alvin Sargent, has always kept his focus on the human side of this Marvel comic hero. That means screwed-up crybaby geek boy Peter Parker over the superhero he becomes when he dudes up in web-slinger drag. <sighs> Even when the movie is just running in place, you can still feel its pulse. Spider-Man 3 is full of rainy nuances, but the attack dogs are out in force. They see the film's budget a reported $250 million, which is correct, and the huge box office take of the first two installments as evidence that the filmmakers are in it for the money. Now there's a shock. The internet wags point out that Ramey, from a conservative Michigan family of Polish Jews, contributed $900 to W's reelection campaign in 2004. What's next? Did Ramey phone in votes for Sanjaya? That really dates this whole thing. Um, yeah. the, thir- the third chapter in the Spidey saga.
1: Oh, man, I hated Sanjaya.
0: <laughs> yeah. is Ooh. uneven, ungainly, and frayed at the edges, but there's a lively mischief in it still. My guess is that when the summer blockbuster season finishes pum- pummeling us with formula, Spider-Man 3 is going to look like one of the few that has been touched by human hands. Yeah, so it ended up grossing um, $895 million, which in today's money is $1.1 billion. Um, so, yeah, so he, he sees Saint- Raimi as uh, like injecting this fucking movie with humanity. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and talk about this movie. Listen. There's no I, humanity in this movie.
1: I love... I, I didn't love... I was pleasantly surprised by the first Spider, first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Agreed. Thought in the theater, thought it was engaging and fun, thought that it was a good take on Peter Parker. It was a decent, like, origin story. Hated the second one because I felt like it was way too... Overproduced in a lot of ways. Like it was too much bombast and too much like camera tricks and not enough like act like again, like use Peter Travers words against him. There wasn't enough humanity. Yeah. And too much Christ, too much Christ symbolism in that. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, like the one scene is just over the top.
0: And let's just really be clear is like we felt that way about that movie when it came out and we took a lot of and we took, we both took a lot of shit for that. Oh right! I got
1: yelled at by so many people for like not like not liking yeah. it. Yeah. So, but I can still see a movie in part two. You know what I mean? Like I watch part two and it still works as a movie, even if I don't like it. Like, um, what's his name? Is a uh, um, Doc Ock is good. You know, Parker still got some decent stuff, even though like it's kind of cringy. Like it still works as a movie. Like this doesn't work as a movie. Like, at all. Like, it's three movies mashed together with no real narrative thread between them. And some of the most, like, baffling and god-awful filmmaking decisions I've ever seen. Like, you don't... What What was I thinking about it when I watched this? The crux of the movie is the idea of, like, Venom the introduction of Venom. So you have this iconic villain, like Spider-Man's major villain since the mid-90s, like throughout his career, this anti-hero and a really popular character in Marvel that you don't get introduced to until like an hour and 45 minutes, hour and 50 minutes into the movie. It it might even be longer than that because he's only in it for like the last half hour. And they just kind of rehashed the same... Peter Parker, um, Harry Osborne, like, drama from the first two movies that, like, isn't very interesting, they f- fabricate this domestic strife between him and Mary Jane. I don't know. It's, like, dude, like,
0: S- Spider-Man, like, being infected, like, having Venom, like, and turning into a bad boy. Right. And is one of right. Right. Yeah. It's like he's a douchebag is one of the worst things I've ever seen put on film.
2: Like Toby so,
0: Maguire trying to act that way is oh, one right. of the worst things I've ever seen on film.
1: The the montage of Toby Maguire buying new clothes and walking down the street as he's doing disco dance moves. Yeah. Is one of the most nonsensical, just absolutely like baffling, like sequences I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. And I grew up reading Spider Man. Like, Spider Man, along with X Men and a couple other things, were the things I read as a kid. Like, I subscribed to like three different Spider Man titles at one point because I I love the character of Spider Man. And those weren't like the best written comics back in the 90s. Like, it wasn't. Spider-Man wasn't a character that got, like, the Frank Miller treatment, like some other, like, Batman and whatever, Wolverine. But, like, the idea was that wearing the symbiote costume, like the Venom costume, when he was, like, black costume Spider-Man, it made him vicious towards his enemies. Like, right. it it was, like, fundamentally changing, like, his DNA. And you could have had a whole movie that explored that, you know what I mean? And made it, like, interesting. But instead, it's just kind of like, well, here's the shit that's going to happen for, like, a brief period of time after we've already made you watch an hour. Yeah. After an,
0: after an hour, we're going to give you a quarter of the story that it should be before it becomes another, like, eighth of a different story with a different person. Right. And For no reason. And that's really not the main story anyway.
1: I mean, what is the main story? You I think the main me?
0: story is the I, I think that the the uh the, the human hands um that, that are attempted at being uh used in this is that it's really the story of what's his face that Thomas Hayden Church plays um, oh, i I don't think that's the story. You don't think that's, like, not the emotional core of the story is the idea of, like, him wanting that vengeance, him, then the Venom thing is basically just used as a kind of plot device to force it in, to allow him to explore that darkness of what he wants to do, and then it's like, you know, he ultimately rejects it, and then it's like, you know, like, it's about, like, reconciling that at the end, and, like... Yeah, that, that's the emotional core
1: of this movie. Like, that, that would have been a good movie? If, if it weren't completely fucked up from start to finish, yeah. Because, like, I mean, like, that's that's an element in the movie. Like, sure. That's, that's a part of it. But isn't it more about, like, Peter Parker, like, after three fucking movies, learning to be, like, a man, basically, or, like, an adult? Like, and learning to, like, appreciate his beautiful girlfriend and like appreciate the power that he has. I mean, it's like or and appreciate his friend. Like it's there's so many. It, it's it's again baffling. Like I I think the the two movies below this are much more are worse movies. But I hate this movie more than either of <laughs> them.
2: Like I I think
1: this is the most loathsome of all the. Yes. And... And from a director that I gen- genuinely respect and like. Like, I don't care about his political leanings, you know. Right. And if, if people held that against him, like, I always think that's, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you can't really separate. Like, that's why I hate knowing shit. Like, I don't want to know that shit. Huh. Because, you know, this is a man who, like. As yeah, much but as look, George, if, you look if you can't get over
0: nine hundred if you can't get over nine hundred dollars to W's campaign versus you know say I don't know like um you know systematic like you know sexual assault or something like that. There's right. a big difference between those things. Like, uh,
2: sure.
1: and Brett Ratner's still making movies, so
2: yeah, man, absolutely.
1: Um, that's a joke. That's not libel or slander.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. It's like, Zeke's gonna report us. That's don't right. report us, Zeke. I I just I've never it's very rare where I've watched a movie and thought and honestly like it's it's pretty appropriate because I think the second movie on this list kinda suffers from the same thing, although in a different way. But like like how do you completely change the tone and subject of your movie four times throughout this entire span like just make one movie like you know pick the thing you want to do and make the movie about that
2: But like, I mean,
1: honestly, I'm like, trying to I... remember
0: real quick too he tries to do it with two different concurrent stories right
1: what's if the I other one correctly? other than Otto Octavius
0: there's another one going on there isn't there like another like villain
1: who eh, maybe I'm wrong there's some shit with Rhino I think in the beginning no no that's no, I can't no. remember two very well.
0: Yeah, I thought that he was trying to run another story concurrently, and then there's the relationship story, and it's like he was trying to basically like layer it that way. But this has got like five different things that he's trying to
1: do right. all at once. So it's his relationship with Mary Jane. It's his relationship with Gwen Stacy. It's the shit with Sandman and his family. Right. And then oh, and then I forgot the thing that makes me the angriest. Like mm-hmm. then you're gonna retcon. Like this entire franchise by making it now Sandman was responsible for Uncle Ben's death. Right. Right. Like, oh, we got this new information five fucking years later of a solved (laughs) murder. Right. That the Sandman was the accomplice. Or fucking
0: whatever. Well um, well, not only do they retcon that story, they also they make it three movies before they gotta do an an amnesia storyline.
1: Oh right, with fucking Harry Osborne. Yes, and mm-hmm. oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it is infuriating.
0: And so let let me okay. So look, the right the the plotting of this is shit. The writing of this is shit. The actual like dialogue that is written for these people is shit. Like, but let me say about this. Okay, so the the stars of this movie are Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst. James Franco, Thomas Hayden Church, Topher Grace, Bryce Dallas Howard. Some okay actors in there, right? Like, have had good roles at times? Yeah, Yeah,
1: I I would say I've enjoyed movies from every single one of those people. So, here's the
0: thing. To me, this indicts them just as much as it... Not just as much, close to the same amount as it does... Ramey and Sargent, and all those people that were responsible for kind of creating this, in the sense that, okay, IG of Four in uh, 2012, Liam Neeson in Phantom Menace, they elevate the shit material they're given to something that is passable, at least. Not a single actor in this movie, not a single one, elevates this material in any way close to anything that's passable every performance in this is fucking awful and they all look like doofuses throughout this entire movie every single actor in this looks like a like a dweeb
1: an asshole or i don't even know like so let me let let me say something about that then i think it's because i think sam raimi doesn't respect the source material i think it's because everybody's like well this is a comic because you know george lucas for whatever dumb shit he puts in his movies like at its core respects the idea that he's making a star wars movie like that's his universe and he respects it and i think roland emmerich just really likes making disaster movies and is just trying to make them as ridiculous as possible like i don't think sam raimi has any respect for comic books I think that he makes it ridiculous because to him, that's what a comic book is. It's this ridiculous, silly thing that, like, because Peter, like, Spider-Man, the, one of the greatest things about Spider-Man as a hero is his wit. You know, it's like the things he says to his opponents where he always has, like, a smart mouth and he always has, like, a like a schoolboy's glee that comes with him, like, fighting people. And Toby Maguire doesn't have that. Like, he's just, I don't know. Like, the jokes are. I don't know. It's just, it, it's very, like, very tone deaf and very wrong headed. Like, the entire approach to it. And I fucking. Yes. It, it, it's an embarrassment <clears throat> to watch. It is. It's an embarrassing movie
0: to watch. and Man, now I gotta go make another drink. God damn it. <laughs> the the most embarrassing thing in this entire movie is watching Kirsten Dunst and James Franco flirt with one another. Oh my God. Doing the twist. And then they do the twist while making a <laughs> meal in the kitchen in what was the year? Was this 2007? 2000. Two, yeah. 2000 fucking seven. There are characters doing the twist in the kitchen. What? Like it's 19 fucking whatever. Well,
2: f-
1: 59. Like, uh, Multi-multi billionaire James or Harry Harry Osborne has fucking chubby checker like queued up on his iPad or iTunes or whatever. Right.
0: Well, maybe he got
1: maybe he got amnesia
0: and he forgot like you know what music taste he had and. You
1: know what's even more embarrassing about that scene that that motherfucker can't make an omelet. Like that annoyed the shit out of me. Like him sitting there fucking up that omelet.
0: I love since since it seems like we're probably going to like stop talking about this movie because I think we're both getting angry and both now drinking. But um, I just want to say one is hearing you pour the drink like that, like in the kitchen um, on the podcast, is pretty awesome. Two is earlier your um your phone was doing this thing where with the, with the light where uh, I don't know if it was like what was happening if you had, like, a TV on the background or something, but, like, the ceiling when you just had the phone laid down, is like, was, like, lighting up and it looked like you were in the lodge with Laura Palmer.
1: Oh, I am. (laughs) Let's rock. (laughs) So, yeah, this movie Um, is
0: shit. This movie is... I think this movie is worse than the next movie, just, like, objectively speaking, Mm -hmm. but you're right in the sense that this is, um, uh, the absolute, like, most hate like just it's an odious movie it's just
1: yeah to me i would say this movie is worse subjectively than the next movie although honestly i think the next movie is a better no it's not i don't know let's just get on with it okay
2: (laughs) okay
0: number two on the list is 2005's king kong directed by peter jackson stars naomi watts Jack Black, the Stoutwork, Adrian Brody,
2: mm.
0: and a young Colin Hanks uh, has an eighty-four percent from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, oh. a fifty percent from audiences. Oh. It was made on two hundred seven million dollars. It grossed five hundred sixty-two million, which in today's money is seven hundred seventy-three million total. So, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone again.
1: Oh, of course he loves
0: it. it. says, here's a jaw-dropping, eye-popping, heart-stopping movie epic we've been waiting for all year. Jackson follows up his Lord of the Rings trifecta with a stupendously entertaining redo of the 33 classic that made him want to make movies. Uh, what a nice little...
2: Well, I
1: don't know if you remember. That was, like, the thing leading I, up to this movie. Yes, Was it everybody talked about? Like, every article was, like, Peter Jackson saw this in Perth or whatever <laughs> as a child and right and it was, it was his love yeah and it was his, him,
0: him and him and 10 kangaroos um
1: <clears throat> fucking him and the dingoes um I wish they would eat him <laughs> no that's not true I like peter the, jackson I do bit. too like
0: yeah, it's just, he's just The director may be working off a borrowed dream, but he utilizes every technical advance of the last 72 years to reimagine the 100-minute black-and-white original as a three-hour explosion of color and FX miracles. What you see will spin your head six ways from Sunday. I've heard gripes from jolt junkies about the hour it takes for the tall, dark, and non-traditionally handsome leading man to make his entrance. Jeez, people, that's what they call building a rooting interest in the characters. You'll feel like a kid again staring at the big screen, enveloped by the visual wonders. The mischievous wit and touching gravity of the script by Jackson and his gifted partners kicks in as well. And is not just a screamer. She has the smarts to know she needs Kong on her side. God, I hate Peter Travers so much. I, I, I'm going to continue. Hold on. Okay, so she does, she does her act for him, dancing, juggling somersaults. He yawns and knocks her down when he's bored. But when she sits with him to watch a sunset, he's a goner. So are we. <laughs> Watts is absolutely fabulous. Funny, sexy, and moving. And save a roar for Andy Serkis, whose movements served as a model for Kong just as they did for Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Watson's circus Serkis make you believe, not in an erotic fantasy, but in tenderness and longing. In the film's last hour, you'll bawl like a baby when Anne follows Kong to the top of the Empire State Building as he swats away the biplanes out to stop him from sharing one more sunrise with his lady. The breathtaking beauty and terror of these scenes ends in Kong's deadly plunge. I was disappointed that Jackson shied away from Kong bouncing off the sides of the building as he did in the original painful caroms I still remember feeling in my gut. But aside from a few cheesy effects, such as Kong sliding on the ice in the park, there's little to bitch about. Bitch.
1: <laughs> um well that's wrong
0: (laughs) Peter Travers Peter Travers is the biggest piece of shit movie reviewer I think I've
1: ever heard in my entire life the one thing that I guess he's kind of right but I don't know how right except for he's a slimy cock about it but yeah okay right right isn't the right word Naomi Watts is the best part of the movie I agree like her performance is she's the only person that's like a real actor in this movie and I think is doing the best that she can with, like, really bad material. Sure. Look, man, this movie is, number one, it's not an hour until you get King Kong. It's like an hour and 40 minutes until you get King Kong. Like, it's easily halfway through this fucking three-hour movie before you really get to see him. It's an an hour. Hour.
0: If I'm remembering correctly, it's an hour and ten minutes before you meet the racist villagers.
1: Oh, yeah. It's an hour before they get to the island. Great. The island. I oh, don't know. I'm now I get the hiccups
2: because
1: <laughs> so um, so. Just full disclosure, I'm eating a Cracker Barrel extra sharp yellow sliced cheese and drinking um a lot of vodka with a uh, uh, zero sugar lemonade.
0: You disgusting fuck you! Are you eating the? Uh, you're not cutting that cheese, are you? You're just eating it off the block, aren't you? No,
1: no, no. I bought I, I bought pre cut cheese. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't. I also bought like uncut cheese, but I happen to be eating the pre cut. <laughs> That's, its just circumstances. Not it was, like not to be not easy.
0: because you're not disgusting. Okay, right. <laughs> Whatever. There's nothing
1: wrong with sitting there eating your block of cheese. Yeah, watching you television. Go ahead and eat your block of cheese. All right. I don't have any more. I—I've I, eaten enough cheese now. <laughs> All right. So, number one, like, what he what? So I wanna, I'm gonna—I'm gonna like directly refute Peter Travers' fucking review. Okay you don't care about any of these characters. There's not a single, aside from Naomi Watts, and character, and only some of her character, there's not a single likable character in the entire movie. Like, everyone is either a cad, or a caricature, or a loser. A non-entity, yeah. Like, a loser that you just don't care about. Like, Jack Black, is playing fucking Orson Welles via, like, Jack Benny or something. I don't know. Like, it's like, he's an idiot. And he's not even, like, believable, like, in his, I don't know. Well,
0: he's just, like, I mean, he's just doing Jack Black. Like, he's just doing, like, a, yeah, it's actually a more, like, subdued version of Jack Black where, like you said, yeah, like, something like Orson Welles or something like that. He's, like, trying to do a, like, his own shtick through, like, a 1930s lens.
2: Right,
1: like he's a guy that watched um, Angels with Dirty Faces, and then watched fucking like I don't know six hours of The Honeymooners. and Was like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. It, so that's he's bad. The whole just, setup, so he just
0: watched Home Alone and just like watched that like one minute of like that right. fake old movie that's <laughs> that's in Home Alone and just based off that. <laughs>
1: I was So when I was watching this movie, and I watched this movie yesterday, this was the last one I had to watch. Like, and, you know, I guess whatever. I wish I hadn't had to watch it again. I was thinking, like, could you have made this a better movie simply by getting to the island faster and not just muddling everything? My
0: question related to this movie was I wanted you to make this an okay movie. So go ahead. Sorry.
1: Continue. So... He's not a failed director. It's not like a ragtag group of people that don't know they're going to Skull Island. It's a group of people that are on their way to make a movie purposefully without like all the extra romance or all the extra drama. Like You know that his original script for this actually sounded like a much better movie. Like basically, there was none of this extra subplot. The Adrian Brody character was just the first mate on the ship who happened to fall in love with the lead actress on the movie. And they just get run aground on this island, and that's it. Like, and that's fine. Like, he's purposefully looking for this, like... Like, all of it is just way too much. It's so much exposition that you... That I guess he felt like was building some believable and, like, true, like, Connection with these characters, but he failed to like build characters that you could care about yeah there's nothing distinguishable about the characters and you and I have this have had this argument before because and now reference specifically um Wolf Creek mm-hmm. where the Wolf Creek spends an hour building this group of characters before any of them die, like before you ever meet like the villain of the movie right, and I think it works in Wolf Creek just because I think it subverts your expectations for a horror movie. A horror movie that's a wholly unique movie that's its own universe that you're going into for the first time without knowing what's going to happen necessarily. Everyone fucking knows what happens in King Kong. You know what I mean? Like, if you're willing to go and spend three hours in the theater watching King Kong or sit on a couch like I did, and actually did both because we saw this, you and I saw this together in the theater we did back in 2005 Mm -hmm. i i had seen king kong i loved king kong as a kid like the 80 minute original king kong i think as a child one of my favorite movies i like the 1970s like revision of king kong for the most part this movie isn't even a king kong movie like the best part of this movie is when it forgets anything about these motherfuckers like with their quippy dialogue and their fucking underhanded, like seven different motives for the thing they're doing and trying to build like these complex characters. And when they're getting fucking attacked by bugs in the canyon, is the only time where I was like, yeah, like this movie's kind of cool. And only because like I thought the CGI was surprisingly good for 2005. And really all the credit in the world, Andy Circus does an amazing job as a guy who's like, slowly getting murdered by these monsters while he's trying to save his own life. Like, and that's the best part of the movie, with like, the cockroaches and the leeches and <clears throat> whatever. And everything else in this movie is just garbage. It's just so bad. Fucking Jack Black standing above and like, throwing the chloroform on the guy's face. You know, on King Kong's face, like victoriously, like knocking the monster out. This know.
0: movie, this, this movie's awful, and there is n- what did I, what did I say about this fucking movie? Um, my my drunken notes on this because again, I I I've been drinking more anyway, but I have definitely been drinking on this past week watching these fucking movies,
2: right? Yeah. Um.
0: Dutch angles galore. Yes.
1: Slow, slow-mo galore. Oh, right. The fucking slow motion is so bad. Yeah. The movie would be yeah. like 40 minutes less if there wasn't slow motion.
2: For no the, reason.
0: The oversaturated oh. look of the movie makes the actors look like their CGI at times. Racist. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it slow and plodding and boring fucking CGI. They can quote Heart of Darkness all they want. This has no soul. Those were my notes.
2: Right.
1: Like, the fucking illiterate stowaway cabin boy. Captain? What What does this mean, Captain? What What is this? It says, an adventure on a steamship. That's kind of like what we're doing, right? <laughs> no. It's not. <clears throat> this is not an adventure. Um... That actually really like the 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 fact that that came up multiple times and was actually meant to be like Peter Jackson's like, oh, this is for my smart homies out there
0: mm-hmm. right, no, that's exactly what it is. it's like, yeah, it's like you know like hey let me let me quote this um you know like well respected book to try to give this fucking schlock you know a little bit of um a little bit of rub, you know? Like, this has some depth to it.
2: And the thing is... It has no fucking
0: depth.
1: You don't realize how racist (laughs) King Kong is as a story until you see Peter Jackson expound upon it so much. (laughs) Like, the original King Kong has some really, like, in a modern sense, like, uncomfortable... Not, like, undertones and, you know, like, context... But at its heart, it's still just a monster movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's not right. trying to be anything other than, like...
0: Only if you take it as the allegory, the original, do you see it, the the, the severe racism of it. You know, I mean, well, there's nothing about the filmmaking process that would lend itself necessarily towards that. That's, mm.
1: Yeah, so this movie is absolutely but Yeah, this mad. movie, but the
0: the, the, the the core of this movie is fucking racist, though. Like, that's... The, the, I, I don't know how anybody couldn't see it. Oh, like, and
1: the other thing, too, like... I don't i I think that all the 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 Aborigines on the island, yeah, like the native people, I think are all played by white people in like mud makeup, yeah, like I don't i like I was trying to like I was trying you, to look you, you, you my, texted
0: me about this, and like I didn't have
1: access to rewatch it again, but um so i I tried to look up in like the production notes and I tried to look at articles at the time. And then I tried to watch like some of the end credits to see and I I couldn't tell. But I'm pretty sure that like the kid in the beginning and definitely the woman that plays like the tribal grandmother, I think they're just white people in blackface. Mm. Like I think he was trying so hard to not be like to not stereotype like black actors as just did he, film, did,
0: he, did he film this in like fucking like Australia or New Zealand or wherever?
1: Oh, of course
2: he did.
0: Like, so It was filmed
1: in like New South Wales or something. So
0: like not that. that it wouldn't this wouldn't have been problematic in its own right because the source material is problematic. Um but aren't there plenty of like Aboriginal people that he could have fucking cast to like be in this?
1: Mm. Yeah, but I think he didn't want to. I think he didn't want to I mean, hence why he casts the well-read, knowledgeable character is is the black man. Like I so, think he was like, right. I I think he was making a conscious choice to not cast actors of color in roles of like savages, basically. Uh-huh. is uh-huh. like the problematic right. thing about the majority, so of-
0: so it's like he's trying to make source material that is at its core about scaring white men into black men taking their women and stealing them he's trying to make it less racist by doing that right yeah gotcha
1: okay because he loved this movie as as a child so oh right 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 i forgot about that yeah all right, right. It's the, uh-huh. the, this is the reason he's making movies today is
0: because Cause it's because he saw king kong with the fucking dingoes yeah
1: but he didn't realize that an 80 83 minute king kong was a more preferable version to a 188 minute King Kong. Right. Yeah.
2: It goes that, on that, for that so long. It
1: never minutes.
0: ends. It never ends that movie. Like it just keeps going. Just keeps going.
1: Never yeah. stops. And it feels it feels long too. Like you feel like you're yeah. watching. You you feel the three hours. And you honestly feel like about seven hours by the end. Like yeah. there's nothing. I don't know. It, its
0: yeah i I mean, I'm glad that like um I mean I look, you look at those scores where what was it it was eighty four percent from critics, fifty percent from audiences. I mean, I think that tells you a lot of what you need to know is coming off of um I think there's two things going on with those critic scores is one, I think everybody felt the need to kiss Jackson's ass after Lord oh, of the Rings. a
1: 100 percent.
0: And I think there's also a lot of people that probably like a lot of baby boom critics in 2005 who also grew up enamored of King Kong and heard this narrative probably. And is like, yeah, like, you know, like, um, me too, bud. And it's like, and then I gave it these positive reviews. I think those are let,
1: let, let me say this.
0: Reason 1A and 1B. But I think the fact that it's like a 50%, like with um, audiences, pretty much
1: tells you everything. Next to Creature from the Black Lagoon and Godzilla, King Kong is probably my favorite movie monster from my childhood. Like, I loved King Kong when I was a kid. It doesn't make me, like, have any, like, if anything, it makes me hate it more, you know? Like, it makes it worse. That this man who purports to love, like, he says that he loves the original Lord of the Rings, like, source material the books. And then fucking shits all over, like, half the storylines in it. To make it his own thing. So here's a
0: question for you. Here's a question for you. Okay, how do you think that can happen to a man? How do you think uh, or a woman? Like, uh, how do you think that can happen to a person where it's like they have nostalgia for something? Who? What kind of person does it take that you have nostalgia for something, some kind of affection for something like that in your childhood, and think that you can do it, like redo it? What does that say about
1: somebody? It's just got to be hubris, right? Like, I mean, here's a person. Like, look do Superman. you think that,
0: so so here's a question okay the follow-up question so i think that's a good answer it's like a, absolutely so do you think the man that you really liked a lot in the 90s up until lord of the rings honestly. right so do you think that man is the same person who made king kong or do you think it was after that man existed only after the lord of the rings success to make this movie and and to have the ubers to do that
1: I mean, I I think it was a guy who a studio believed in and said, make whatever you want. And I mean, how many of us have unfettered control over our lives? You know what I mean? Like, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if you got to walk into, like, your work every day and you can do anything you want in your job, like, I don't know. Like, all of us have boundaries, you know, like, no matter how much you
2: might have. Yeah, it's just it's just
0: a fascinating idea of, like, I love this as a kid. It's the thing that made me want to make movies. Now let me redo it and make it better.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I never have, maybe that's just me. Like, when I love something, the things I love as a kid, like, I wouldn't want to remake NeverEnding Story. You know, I wouldn't sure. want to remake The Goonies or Star right. Wars
2: or yeah, right.
1: Creature from the Black Lagoon because to me, like, those things exist on their own and they're things that are special to me. And if I like, you know, cause I like do creative things. Like I like create things, but like, I want to do my own things. Like, and if, if you if fire. you
0: love something and we, we, we've, we've, I think like been subject to this throughout the podcast, both of us. It's like, if you love something due to nostalgia from your childhood, you'd love all of it. You, you love it even despite all the things that you kind of know as an adult now are just like stupid or lame or like, you know, sure. you still love it no matter what. And it's like the idea that it's like, you love this so much is the thing that made you want to make movies. And then it's like, you go and it's like, I'm going to completely make every, like so much of it, like different and new and more exciting. How much could you really have loved it?
1: Right. Like, why not just, restore the original and release it like that's the thing that someone who loves it does like here's the thing that got me excited in movies let me show it to other people right let me right it's like this the phrase that's going around everywhere now which um i'm glad we
0: have is this idea of signal boosting like you know it's like yeah right okay it's like let me signal boost this like you know like that i like i love this movie so let me like make sure that other people see it like you know that it gets out there
1: yeah i don't know yeah you're exactly right I've never understood that. Like we talked about it with Psycho because I think that Gus Van Zandt is a good director and I don't understand his logic behind remaking it. I don't understand Peter Jackson thinking he can make like all of them. It's just all, I don't know. Like make your own thing. Like even like at least Mighty Joe Young is a homage to King Kong, but it's different. You know what I mean? Like, what's-his-nuts, um, Guillermo del Toro made The Shape of Water because he loved Creature from the Black Lagoon. Right. He didn't make Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, like, he didn't make that movie. Right. Because- like, he made a different movie that was similar enough because he loved that movie but was still his own thing. Like, right. And,
0: and you know why? It's because, like, even if there's a couple of his movies I'm not a big fan of, it's like, del Toro has a fucking conscience and a soul. Right. And well, what I think easy. this proves after rewatching this and thinking about it more with Jackson is I don't like this dude.
1: It's a shame though, because like seriously, like I like Braindead, I like Um Dead Alive, I like I like Dead Alive. I like The Frighteners, I like Heavenly. I think Heavenly Creatures is an amazing movie. Heavenly like Creatures to me is his best movie, but yeah. <laughs> there's that like you see talent in this dude and it's just like i don't know like don't Do you, know.
0: but so you know, that's what i'm saying it's like that guy
1: that guy there um
0: i i love that you like left off like the one movie that would be contentious um like well, what, I, but it's, isn't he meet the people's oh right right right, well, right you don't like yeah. the people. Oh, i like, know that's what i'm saying you like I brought that one movie that you love is off um like um, meet
1: the people's a good movie
0: right so uh, what i'm saying is like that dude it's like doesn't it like like this guy always wanted to be the guy he is now? Yeah, those were just little like steps along the way. They were little like you know, like you know, like little like stones that get across the stream to be this guy. And it's I like, mean, if that's yeah. all you ever wanted to be was this guy, now, like to me, it's like this guy's suspect now.
1: And he, it's like he you know, made what, what studios would let him make. Like he made movies that they would let him get away with, I guess, basically. And yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I guess that, I guess that was good enough for him. And
2: I didn't. Like that's, I did really this is. to
1: turn into a, um,
0: <laughs> a character assassination <laughs> on Peter Jackson. But um, that's certainly where it went for
1: me. But um, <clears throat> I mean, it's legitimately it's um the frighteners that got him to make these movies. Yeah, yeah. Because it was it was. It was the dailies that I think Frighteners is universal was seeing that let them, but they gave them the confidence to basically give him the money to make, you know, these movies to make Lord of the Rings and what eventually got um, King Kong green. Right. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, and look again, like I can at least see in the Lord of the Rings movies, Like, a person that, like, I don't think he understands. I don't think he can help himself from changing things, but I at least see somebody who, like, feels Tolkien's vision. You know what I mean? Like, the mountains and the fens and the caves. Like, it looks like how, in my mind, Tolkien looked. Like, I don't think this dude understands, like, what makes King Kong, like, as a kid like a great movie like when you're a child like watching that movie like what makes it great and it just kind of calls into question like i don't know all of his decision making and it's just an awful movie it was a bad experience watching it so can't wait to talk about the number so, one movie. right
0: yeah so a worse experience number one on your list is transformers revenge of the fallen from 2009 is directed by good old michael bay stars shia labeouf Meg, uh, Megan Fox, Josh, how do you pronounce this last name? Is it? Duomo? Um, Tyrese Gibson and John Taturo. It is a 20% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, a 57% from audiences. Um, it has 200 million that it was made on. It grossed 836. That is 999. Just shy of a billion um, today's money. Mr. Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly says that the sheer velocity of all this shape-shifting is dizzying and funny and zigzag cool. The sequence serves no real purpose beyond dazzle for dazzle's sake. He's talking about the introduction, like the the first sequence. But when you're watching it, that's purpose enough. Jeez, that's purpose enough, the the, the dazzle for dazzle's sake. That's purpose enough. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen has a number of dead spots, but every time the movie hits one, you can sit back in eager, childish anticipation of the next beat of industrial world gig diversion. Mm. Directed by Michael Bay and co-produced by Steven Spielberg, Revenge of the Fallen is slovenly bombastic, overly busy, and at two hours and 29 minutes, far too long.
1: The this plot. is a positive review.
0: Hold on. The plot which sends Sam Whit Whitwicky. I don't think I knew his last name. whitwicky They say his, it like six times in the movie. To his freshman, I was probably despondent by that point, Frank. Um, to his freshman year at a debauched East Coast College and then to the ruins of Egypt, suggests an awkward smelting of Brett Easton Ellis and Indiana Jones. Oh. It offers more frantic incident than it does purpose or sense yet each time the film reaches another clash of the titans it becomes more than just a souped up toy commercial these toys have wizardry and grandeur in the case of optimus prime the noble autobot who converts into his nuts and bolts self out of a truck with a nifty orange flame insignia they also have a glimmer of a soul Shia LaBeouf seems to get taller and leaner, more confidently chiseled with each new movie. But he'll have his precocious kid's quick-start mind, and in The Revenge of the Fallen, he uses the play off of on-screen girlfriend Megan Fox with her porno doll sultriness as if it were in a romantic comedy. She's like Angelina Jolie, but where Jolie got too serious to beat irresponsibly sexy and the revenge of the fallen needs their jovial flirtatious chemistry the movie would be too much of a juvenile boys bash without it (laughs) at college sam having touched one of the otherworldly shards finds himself possessed by a series of ancient symbols and through this development is just a thin rehash of Richard Dreyfuss's possession in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Labouf talking a mile a minute does something witty. He literally makes you feel that his brain is working too fast for his mouth. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Just a couple more sentences. Um, right, I'm, I'm zoning out. Revenge of the Fallen showcases an infectiously diverse brigade of chattery, unfolding contraptions from mechanical gremlins that transform out of the kitchen appliances to one that erupts from the vintage airplane to a co ed with a tongue of steel. Each of these creature gizmos has a marvelous organic fluidity. They don't just move, they clank and roll. And its it was an inspired touch that to set the film's most ferocious battle amid the pyramids, featuring a Decepticon so humongous as just about waddles with power. Revenge of the Fall may be a massive overdose of popcorn greased with motor oil, but it knows how to feed your inner
1: 10-year-old's appetite for destruction. B. Gives it a B. Well, an yeah. Owen Gleberman B is like hepatitis. I mean... Gross, and it's not something I necessarily
0: want. Uh, Owen Gleiberman is my um. I got got it. I, uh, Peter Travers is a a hack and a sellout. Like he will figure out a Weasley way of describing things to make it sound good when he doesn't even think it's good. Gleiberman like just ups the ante on those things a lot of times, and just like fucking just. Ugh. He's so fucking
1: verbose. Yeah. And, and like, unnecessarily, like, linguistically verbose. Like, he's just, yeah, he's awful. Yeah.
0: But, Um, and and every, this is, like, the, we've read so many Gleeman reviews by this point, at least a dozen. And it's, like, uh, on this podcast. And, like, every time, like, not every time, most times, he has something problematic in his writing. Like, there's something that's just, like gross or creepy right. and like that shit in here uh, like porn doll uh, yeah porno doll sultriness um she's like angelina jolie before jolie got too serious to be irresponsibly sexy what's the the implication of that phrase is like <laughs> is that it's like you know um why are you getting so serious you're just tits and an ass that's right. the implication that statement he's fucking gross go ahead sorry this movie's awful i'm all i'm going to say and i'm going to let you wrap it all up i'm just going to say that i think i texted you i made no notes on this i texted you about uh with 30 minutes left and said i think i feel like a terrible person for watching this or something like that like i feel like a worse person in some ways um and then you responded, I think, because you probably woke up um, when you saw it, and you just said you are. <laughs> What's your I mean, I'm, I'm not wrong, though. <laughs> You're not. So, that's all I had to say about this, is I think this made me a worse person watching this movie. So, you go ahead so, and wrap it all
1: up. I don't know how many movies I've seen that are worse than this movie, but I don't know that it's many. Like, first of all, I am a huge fan of Transformers. Like, from a little kid, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and He-Man were, like, the three pillars of my life as, like, a child. I spend way too much money on the modern Transformer toys that are, like, replications of, like, the, like, older ones but with better articulation. Like, I love the aesthetics of the Transformers. I love the fun of the, like, universe of the Transformers. I think it's almost like the perfect, like, comic book franchise, right? Mm -hmm. Michael Bay ruins anything that's good about the Transformers in every Transformers movie. Like, first of all, every robot is way too busy for its own good. Like, you can never tell, number one, what the fuck something's supposed to be when it's in robot form. And number two, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, ever. In any action sequence, can you tell? It's just, like, a bunch of, like, things that look exactly the same moving really fast, and, like, it's supposed to be a fight, but it's just mind-numbing and grating and clangy and awful. Beyond that, the movie's even worse when it comes to, like, it's human characters. Like, it's There's not a single likable character in the whole movie. Like, no one even comes close to being likable. Like, everyone is either crass or stupid or incompetent or non-existent from a character perspective. Like, the characters that should have the most... Well, the characters that should have the most humanity are fucking Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, who don't. Because they're just awful. But then beyond that, the characters that they try to infuse with the most humanity, which is the Josh Duhamel and Tyrese Gibson as, like, the army soldiers with, like, the just hearts that want to do the right thing, you know, and help the Autobots fucking, um, whatever. Like, try and save the world or whatever. Like, they're not in it long enough to actually matter, and beyond that, like, they're given like nothing to do. Like it's the stars in the movie are these big fucking robots who look terrible, who are either like racist caricatures of something like Hispanics or Asians or I don't know, whatever the fuck those two, I guess they're probably Hispanics. The two like fucking car robots. It's busy. It's fucking noisy. The plot doesn't make any sense. It's far too long. It's fucking sexist as hell and like creepy too. Like the relationship between Shia LaBeouf's parents is really creepy and weird. Shia LaBeouf's dad is an asshole who like doesn't even like him. Shia LaBeouf is an asshole who like is basically like ready to cheat on his girlfriend because a Decepticon is like trying to put her tongue down his throat and uh I don't know. There's almost nothing... There's not even almost. There's legitimately nothing good or redeemable about this movie. Like, its runtime is too long. Its plot is nonsensical and honestly just kind of, like, ridiculous. It has no good characters. It has terrible CGI. It's got a really bad soundtrack and score, it's I don't know, it's just absolute trash. And it's the worst kind of trash because like you can't even like watch it and enjoy like laugh at it. Like at least there's a couple times in fucking Spider Man three where I was like, haha, like what a what a terrible scene. Or in King Kong where I was like, oh this is actually like like really well filmed. Like I can see, you know, like some hints of like the old Peter Jackson in this like fucking Spider-Man, or um, Transformers. The whole time, I'm just wishing I was dead. Like, I don't... Yeah. I just, like, I didn't want to, like, watch any more of it. I can't imagine, like, how people... Like, you must hate yourself if you like this movie. That's all I can think. Like, you just... Like, you've given up on life, and you're a, basically like a fucking sheep. And I hate to say that, like, sound like some fucking incel or whatever, but... Like other people have seen this movie. So I can't help I can't help like I have to see it. Like I have to like it because everybody else likes it. It's like, no man, this movie's bad and it's objectively bad. Like just go watch the fucking Transformers movie, because at least you can laugh at the songs and
2: I don't know. And that's what it it,
1: rips off is the fucking like animated movie from the eighties. Like it's basically like taking that plot and extrapolating it to a ridiculous level that doesn't even make any sense. Man, I don't know, man. I, I God, I'm I'm gonna fucking like drink the shit out of this vodka tonight. I'm, <laughs> telling you. I'm all
2: upset.
0: I I just it it just slowly it just slowly sucked the will out of me. It It does. The longer I watched it, I just became numb.
1: Yeah. Like, Like I never... Seriously, there's... Like, we've shit on every one of these movies. But all four of these previous movies, there was moments where I, like, temporarily was invested in what was happening on the screen just because the filmmakers were able to do something to draw my attention Agreed. right yep every single like, one yeah like the 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 fight scene between um peter and uh harry when they're flying between the buildings i was like you know what this is really dumb but like there's some cool ideas here sure like fucking again like the thing down in the canyon with the fucking awful like the bugs and shit mm-hmm. i was like man there's some really cool and creepy like lovecraftian shit happening here Like, you can tell that Peter Jackson at least, like, knows, like, how to make a creepy scene. Like, in this movie, you're never sitting there thinking, like, oh, I'm invested, like, at all in any fight. Like, Optimus Prime is a preachy, fucking stodgy old man. Mm -hmm. Megatron's an idiot. Starscream's an idiot. None of them look like any recognizable form of... It's not even, like... It's not even, like, an extrapolation off the G1 Transformers where you're like, oh, like, right, I can see, like, that it's just a modern update of it. Like, fucking, like, watching, like, Gundam or G.I. Joe or something. Or, like, the He-Man reboots where you can see that stuff happen. In this one, it's just fucking, it's just, like, they don't look like anything. They look just like a mess. And for something that's so, like, fast-paced, the fucking Transformers take, like, six minutes to transform from a vehicle to a robot. It, like, it goes on fucking forever. Like, I was sitting there watching Bumblebee Transform at one point, and I was like, holy shit, dude, are you ever gonna finish? Like, just be a robot or, like, be a car. Or, like, one or the other, man. I don't know. I, I'm I'm particularly bitter towards this movie just because I love... Like, I think I think the original designs of the robots and transformers are some of the most beautifully realized and aesthetically pleasing like fictional character designs ever like from the color schemes to the lines to the like simplicity of the fucking like engineering of it and like none of that is apparent here this is like I don't know. It's like somebody like it's it's like if you were really like Christian and somebody was making a movie about Jesus and they cast Jesus as like a singing mushroom that had penises growing out of his eyes because like that's just how they envisioned it. And it's like, have you ever read like the Bible? Like that doesn't make any sense. But they're like, Yeah, but that's my vision. Like make your own movie, make it something else. Like don't make it the Transformers, do something different. I don't know why I thought mushrooms with penises out of their eyes. Like, I don't know where that's coming from. I guess I'm a little drunk at this point. <laughs> so,
0: so I, I I, don't know if you know this. I mean, I loved Transformers when I was a kid, too. Like, I had all the toys. I watched a TV show, like, all the time. Like, I watched the movie, like, a bunch. For some reason, though, and I don't know why this happened. It was like, I don't, and maybe you ha- I don't know if you have this experience or not. Like, I have a feeling that you don't. Maybe you do. But it's like there are certain things that like of your childhood that you abandon and in terms of having nostalgia for. Like there it's like it's almost like there's like to me, at least for me personally, there's a subjectivity to it, to where it's like some things that I really liked a lot as a kid just got abandoned through the years and some things didn't. And
1: Transformers is one of those things that got abandoned. So to answer your question, Mm-hmm. I put the black hole on a list of the best sci-fi of the 1970s, so that,
2: that I don't,
1: <laughs> I I don't aban- like I don't abandon nostalgia, like I'm right, firmly invested gotcha. in all the okay. things that I've I've ever loved. I still love them, right? So like I was
0: really in the Transformers, and um, this, you're right, is an affront to like whatever affection i once had for transformers
1: um i feel like even if you think you abandoned transformers i think if this movie would have been like reverential enough
0: oh i would have yeah i would have liked you it. probably would have marked out to it yeah at least a little bit so when you talk about like the design and all that stuff i think that's like uh, i don't know i think there's something like that it's like I don't know. I think it's like there, something happened like with me and vehicles or something like as I was growing up that like made me kind of just like abandon that love of Transformers. Okay. Um, And yeah, where it's like I just became not interested in any of that kind of stuff. And it just kind
1: of like, I don't know, like it like retconned my whole like effect. But I said you, like I, a couple months ago got a really nice, like modern star screen from like mm-hmm. the, and I sent yep. you a picture of me and you're like, yeah, that's really cool. Like it looks yeah. like
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like a really good plastic casting of this character. And that's right. what I mean. It's like, is star
0: screen in this movie because I can't remember yes. who is yes right okay yes because I, I can't know. follow I can't follow the characters of the plot of this movie enough to even remember so dude
2: do you know what
1: starstream looks like as a robot he looks like a motherfucking triangle with a dick growing out of the middle of it like okay. it i it's not even recon- and he turns into a plane like he's recognizably a plane because they couldn't make the real world vehicles not look like real world vehicles so they just made the robots look like Fucking Picasso-like paintings. I don't yeah. know. Terrible. I. It's just.
2: So,
1: do, you, do, do you do you know uh, though
0: why I keep bringing up nostalgia? Like uh, one is because I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm rather obsessed with the idea of it, and um, and 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 two is because for these five movies, like 2012 is the one that really doesn't fit that much. It's like. Four of these movies are really, when it comes down to it, they're affronts to nostalgia. Right. I mean, and, that's why they're
2: such bad movies.
0: And this is what I mean when I like sit there and say like my bullshit all the time to people. When I sit there and say like, and, and this was told to me in a dream, um, <laughs> is <laughs> nostalgia.
1: Oh, I taken a bigger drink as I just did.
0: <laughs> nostalgia is pain. That's really ultimately – it doesn't matter whether it's, like, you know, fondness that you have for nostalgia or it's this. It's all pain. Nostalgia is all pain.
1: See, mine's the opposite. Nostalgia is, like, like literally the thing that I have in my life that – I mean, uh, you and I are very different people in a lot of ways. Uh, I just, like, I can really enjoy things, but, like, I love
2: (laughs) –
1: I love that difference. I, I, you can enjoy. <laughs> I mean, argue the point. Like, agree, this thanks. morning, this morning I played a game that I played when I was in my early twenties, late teens, early twenties, and ate a bowl of fucking spaghettios in my pajamas, and it was a fantastic experience. You know what I mean? Like, I can go in and like enjoy and remember what it's like to be like young and. Have any hope for life and, you know, like affection for things. And I like nostalgia. Like, nostalgia is a good thing, it's a good feeling. So, things that, like, just dis- like that ruin your nostalgia for something because you can just tell that someone absolutely doesn't understand what makes the thing great. Like, Sam Raimi, God bless him, has no idea what makes Spider Man great. Like, he just doesn't understand it. Kevin Fee, even though all those Marvel movies aren't great, at least understands what makes a comic book like enjoyable. Like what matters in comics. It's why the fucking um, original X Men movies are so bad because, like, they just don't understand what makes the X Men cool characters, and that's the thing. The originals, because the ones the, the Hugh Jackman ones from the originals. I thought you liked those.
2: Like uh, one, I liked one and one, two. I,
1: I, I like, I don't hate them, but they're not good X-Men movies. They're not bad movies in general. And like, I think I liked them a lot more at the time because like, what else did you have? You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. Movies yeah,
0: movies yeah, yeah. true. Now in hindsight now, yeah. I, I thought about that with Spider-Man three It's like all these fucking critics sitting there giving a positive reviews. Like in hindsight now, cause that's 2007, like a year later, Iron Man comes out and it's like in hindsight, would those critics still give that a positive review? You
1: know? Right. Like, you watch something like, like Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, which I think is somewhat unfairly maligned, but this is a guy that says he loves the Fantastic Four, clearly doesn't understand what makes the Fantastic Four great, so you don't love it. Like, all these studios will just, like, listen Boy, to Well, he loves
0: it, dude. but he's an idiot. I mean, you can love something and not get it.
1: No, I don't think that's right. I think you can. I, I, I
0: think, well, I mean, like. You, you love some element of it,
1: but you don't really get the whole point. Like, I mean, I I grew up with a bunch of nerds, and including like my current set of friends, like people who know some element of like whatever, like comics or movies or video games or whatever, anime, whatever you want to talk like talk about. When you talk to someone that really gets what's great about something, you share emotion and like like when you and I talk about something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, or <clears throat> Beverly Hills Cop you know what i mean right, like yeah. <clears throat> but i'm but i'm saying
0: we there's people that we know and it's like you know they like very certain things about this thing and they may you know what is it, a, a snexity or whatever it's like the part equals the whole it's like they make this part that they absolutely love they make it the entire thing and they
1: love that thing then they don't love it they're wrong <laughs> but you but you, up.
0: but you can't find the calming ground to love the same no, thing for different reasons so
1: it's I subjective allowed, no I should be allowed to be the arbiter of what <laughs> makes something great and that's that's the end of it
2: like right. I'm, I'm serious it's, like, it's, I, it's, right
0: it's well it's at that point of the night where it's like the megalomaniacal side is out where it's like you think you should run the world and have a scribe <laughs>
1: I really should have a scribe. That's that's that's. that's we're recording <laughs> this fucking podcast. It's not the same thing because nobody's recording me a hundred percent of the time. I'm saying fucking Bond mots all the time that nobody's getting down,
0: <laughs> motherfuckers. Oh, uh, this is a terrible movie. Like that, it's it's one of the worst movies yeah. I've ever seen. One of the worst movies I've ever seen.
1: You know what almost made this list? You asked this at the beginning. Yeah, the fucking Godzilla reboot from the '90s. The Matthew Broderick? Yeah, it didn't make enough money, though, for me to consider it. Like, all these other movies made more money than it. But it it
0: was meant to be a blockbuster. That's what I'm saying. It was intended to be a blockbuster.
1: That's that's another movie that completely misses the point about what makes the source material great. That's why don't remake shit. You know what I mean? Like, don't, like, make sequels. Just, like, take the idea and rip it off enough where it's, like, familiar, but change it enough where it's new. And just make your own shit. Like, don't call it Transformers. Yeah. Call it like Morphbots or something. <laughs> you know, call it GoBots. Right. Well, um, so GoBots has more integrity than the. Michael actually, Bates- I have yeah.
0: a way to finish up this movie. Right, I have a way to finish up this movie. Um, and it's a true story. I I I felt like a sharp, like little, like bite on my arm. Um, while I was watching this on my iPad outside, and um. Like I like reached, I reached over like my arm and was, like was like, what the hell is that? And like you know, and um, I came away with a tick on me, and um, I sat there you on and, your porch, yeah. And I Why like are
1: you getting um, ticks on you on your porch, you weirdo.
0: And um, and I like sat there and like you know, killed it with my fingernail, um, and I, you know how I am with bugs and shit like that. Like normally I would be like emotionally devastated by the idea that there was like a tick on me like biting me right because i'm terrified of bugs and um Understandable. i didn't react i just killed the bitch and just kept staring at the screen because i was
2: in,
1: dead inside so maybe when we send soldiers to war we should have them watch the transformer series This is the this is the way to desensitize people, right? Fucking Full Metal Jacket, man.
0: Oh, good old Michael Bay, man, making this country great
2: again. Right, we're continuing. Yeah, right. We'll put up a. Um, a,
0: You know what we'll do? We'll put up a statue of Michael Bay in the Statues Garden. Um,
2: Didn't he molest somebody too?
1: Or no, that's just um, what's his name. That's a joke. Everybody it's a joke. That's no really no because I don't think that Michael Bay's ever been accused. No, it's the other I one
2: that's been accused. The other one? Who's the other?
1: Uh Brett Ratner and um Zack Snyder and the other one.
0: Seriously, I don't think there's a dude in Hollywood anymore that like has power that you can't like probably say that hasn't been accused at this point. Uh Tom um,
2: Hanks, motherfucker.
0: Hey. what's the date today july 5th 2020 um let's come back in six months see what happens right like i i'm not shocked by anything anymore that would be depressing i like tom hanks of course i fucking love tom hanks i'm just saying you shit
1: about fucking um the new shit about uh mel gibson what the fuck did he do recently like that is a man that cannot get out of his own fucking way what did he do I don't know. Ed, he, he said some awful shit to somebody. I, I wish I could remember exactly. It was terrible. I read it and I was like, man, I can't watch. this I was just
0: reading his wiki page like two
1: nights ago, like and I didn't see anything like recent. It's only been this past week. Hmm. I don't think it's confirmed yet. I think it's just like allegations or whatever, but it seems pretty credible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me with him either. Although that movie I watched him in the other night. He's really good in. Um, you, you don't know that it. movie's is amazing. Like, that's, Crawl-
2: that's
1: the thing. Dragon Cross Concrete. It's Dragon like,
0: Cross Concrete. It's really good. Yeah. I,
1: I love this man's movies. Both yeah. as, I mean, aside from the patient, Oh, there's like my, uh, there's
0: my platform. Chuck, if you're listening to this, watch that fucking movie. It's like a Parker novel. I, yeah. Great movie. Yeah
1: again it's, it's why I don't ever want to know anything about the people who I like as creators because like everyone's a terrible person like people right. are listening to this and probably thinking that I'm some kind of monster when in reality I'm when <laughs> in reality you're just I don't know how would
0: you how would you describe yourself right?
1: A saint i I <laughs> describe it right
0: right
2: okay yeah yes a saint yeah Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My mom might listen. I don't know. You can't, <laughs> can't
1: tell the out of school, you know?
0: Right. No. I, nobody's nobody's got it out anybody publicly for anything. Um, oh you know. Although, in full transparency, I did about like twenty minutes ago text Frank and say like, "Hey, just keep talking because I really have to go
1: urinate really badly." It would um, be easy because I just like. I just let myself drop back into that movie and just like went off. Like I just started thinking. It's about gonna be movies. really interesting
0: to hear those two minutes. It's the only two minutes of the podcast I've never heard before. So it's gonna be fascinating to like actually like go back and hear something that's I don't nope. already know. Yeah. But I don't already know. I've um, already seen
1: it all, so
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um too late. So yeah, so
1: this um this was draining. These movies? Right. It was. It was bad. I mean, it wasn't even... It was like... like I thought it would be a fun experiment where I would really enjoy it. And it was something we could do like every year.
0: Well, it's it's your fault because you, you picked... You did pick some of the absolute worst.
1: And it, and it wasn't fun. It was just sad. So, usually I go with like... Usually I have like a couple of picks that I feel are objective. And a few picks that are subjective. In this case, it was all just subjective. Like, I just went from top to bottom and was like, yeah, garbage, 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 garbage. You know what I mean? So, like, it's like I remember
0: we're... us, like, a year ago when we did this with the horror movies. And it was, like, we talked about House of Wax, and like, right. we had fun
1: talking about House of Wax. Like, because you can enjoy a bad movie. I'm, this is what I'm saying. Like, a movie can be bad and still be enjoyable. Like, you can still be entertained at something that's objectively not good. But these movies are objectively not good and are not entertaining. Like, they're right. absolutely the worst examples of... there. It's not even filmmaking. Like, there's no artistry here. These are just, like, soulless masses of fucking celluloid that are meant to destroy you and take your money. Yes.
0: Yes, give us your money.
1: Let me say that I've been watching on mute... Um the top fifty games, upcoming games for the next generation of consoles, okay. for the past like forty five minutes. Oh, is that is? Uh, so you're not in the lodge with Laura Palmer? See, you no, fucking no, no. liar! I, when, when you when you sent me the Zoom meeting, I was in the middle of a YouTube video, so I just muted YouTube. <laughs> but I'm watching it on my PS4, so when you watch it on the PS4, it just continues to play. That's what the lighting like, shit is. Yeah, it's like video that. after video. So I was right. watching a video on um metroidvania style games from the past year and it's just continued through this channel's like video game reviews and there's some amazing shit coming out in the next year like i'm super excited about some of these games coming out
0: give me give me a couple games uh the horizon
1: zero dawn sequel looks amazing um i never finished i never
0: finished that i couldn't finish that
1: yeah you didn't like it i mean i i found it to be like a little long but i still enjoyed it it's monotonous um the new Spider-Man game looks really good, like the sequel um, to like the last one, kind of. Well, it's kind of, it's sort of a sequel. It's just it's it's Miles Morales. Uh
0: yeah, thought. but that's like a partial game. I've read about that. Like it's like a, it's basically like DLC, but it's a standalone.
1: So there's, there's main ba-
0: So basically, it's this
1: DLC that they're going to charge you thirty five dollars for or something. That's fine. Um, the new Resident Evil looks really good. Ass money, motherfucker. Um, and there's a game called Tokyo mm-hmm. Ghost Line that looks fucking amazing. Like, a playable version of, like, every J-Horror movie ever. Like, it was, it was mm-hmm. really cool. What's, and like, then, um, what, 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 is, what is that like,
0: though? Like, I mean, like, playable version, like, so is it like a...
1: Like, you look like you're a ghost hunter, that you have to go out and, like, traverse Tokyo to find, like, these spirits and, like, basically, like, be a Ghostbuster. I mean, muted, so I can't hear like any description of it. But that's what I, the impression I got. And <laughs> that's then a, that's um,
0: a good idea for a podcast is just show you things with no audio and let you interpret them. I mean, I,
1: I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited for some games that I have no idea what they're about. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, and then the Demon Souls remake um, was on there, which I'm my mark out to every time I see that commercial or that trailer. Yeah, I'm really excited for Cyberpunk. Um, that hasn't come up yet. I'm sure that's going to be, like, number one. Right. They're doing in descending order of, like, the top 50, right. like, games you should be excited about. Gotcha. Which, that Horizon... It's Horizon Forbidden West or something, I think is what it's called. Um, Was, like, the first one they showed. Which I... Like, that game looked fucking amazing.
2: Hmm.
1: Like, I know you weren't a huge fan of the original, but... Um, I
0: liked it up until a certain point Then I was just like oh my god I'm just doing the same fucking thing all the time like that's a, like I, I love the mechanics of it I you know overall like I, I thought it was a really interesting concept but I just got bored with it real quick like well, by real quick I mean like 10 hours but still like I mean
1: I just got bored this game they're showing now looks like um, a spiritual successor to uh, the Dishonored franchise hmm.
0: that but was with a- like that was always, that, both of those games were, like, had disappointing. elements. Uh, disappointing. But had elements that I liked, but are disappointing. Um, I
1: just yeah, thought that I'm is, really sick of Art Deco in games. Like, where things try to look like kitsch or, like, 50s. With their cell shading and their color schemes and, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm done with it. Like, fucking just make a game. Like, I don't need you to be all fucking artsy and clever.
2: Thanksgiving, <laughs> given a mandate,
0: <laughs> a, a mandate, and a slur. <laughs> <laughs> all, slur are all all wrapped up in one. Um, I, I think that um that
2: cocksucker.
0: cocksucker can be considered a slur.
2: Oh.
1: yeah, I didn't mean it like that.
0: Yeah, sons but, of bitches, maybe or fuckers. <laughs> How about fuckers? Fuckface, fuck I think is like pretty um. Well, I don't know. It depends on how somebody would interpret it. Possibly,
1: I don't know interpreted poorly. I, look, as a, just a blanket statement, like I just mean when I say something <laughs> like "fuckface," I just mean you're a piece of shit. Right? And I have yeah. No respect for you. Right, right. Or I mean, you're my friend because I call my friends bad words all the time. So yeah, you do.
0: Would- yeah, you're like a you're like an hour and a half away from that. Um, <laughs> but.
1: Or one more drink, and I ain't got to work in
0: the
2: morning, so fuck it. <laughs> this bottle of vodka's getting
0: all finished. right. So, new podcast idea: no podcast idea to replace an episode that gets shot to shit for some reason. Like we're going to do something with somebody, and they can't do it, or anything like that. I play trailers for you with no audio, and you re- and you review the trailers. And like, That's tell a good me idea.
1: What you, yeah. That's, Every one of the fucking games looks the same. Like, I don't know how this is the top ten. I, this, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, isn't I'm isn't this
0: in. isn't this exactly what we just dealt with on this podcast for this entire episode? Is that they all just are fucking fucking? All they might all look slightly different, but they're all the fucking same. Like, how does anybody care about the fifth Dirt game? Dirt? Have you
1: played any of the Dirt games?
0: I don't know what that is. Like Joe Dirt? It's it's it's, it's
1: Rally Racing.
0: Oh, I think I just completed the trifecta. I've been waiting for you to complete some sort of like weird trifecta, like because you you did jingle all the way, Mighty Joe Young, and I've been waiting for some other weird fucking movie reference, like that nobody cares about, and um, Joe Dirt might be it. You said Joe Dirt, there, not me, right? I think I completed the trifecta. Is what I'm saying. Oh, unintentionally is it
1: really a trifecta. If I don't do it. I'm the only person that matters, after
2: all. I need more vodka right now.
0: And that is a good place to probably cut for the night. So, Mm -hmm. next week, we hope to be in better spirits as we talk about the top five best blockbusters of all time as we continue through our summer slash America tour um, during a time when um, most of America is not actually having any kind of summer. They're certainly not going to the movies and America is um, a disaster because um, of, uh, they can't control themselves and COVID numbers are rising. Um, And, we're going to continue. Remember, we plotted this out at the beginning of the year, everybody. So celebrating summer blockbusters in America over the course of a month um uh, was an idea from um January like of 2020. Um not a um not a perversion of uh something we came up with last month. So yeah. But we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go full steam ahead we're going to continue on down this path um and we're gonna do the best blockbusters next week and I really enjoyed watching most of these movies um
1: yeah the the block, but the good blockbusters was good
2: yeah they're all good movies
1: yeah
0: absolutely um so and then we will end the month with uh the top five Americana movies um and then we will roll into August, um, with um some pretty interesting things. Um, I know one of them is that uh, I can remember off the top of my head is we're going to do our first ever um, next top five um, because mm-hmm. the sci-fi um, seventy sci-fi episode did so well. We're going to do Frank's next top five sci-fi movies of the nineteen seventies. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't remember what else is on there. Um, I'm but gonna
1: put, I I'm I'm gonna put the black hole on it again.
0: <laughs> if I knew more about science, there's probably a funny joke I can make about it. But um, but, I, but a, I,
1: of time is a flat circle, motherfucker. But I, I don't know. Does that really fit? I don't know. I don't Nobody understands it anyway. It's
2: fine.
0: <laughs> it, it is true. <laughs> Everybody goes around and says
1: that. Um. It works in a it works out of context and in context. Right.
2: Yeah, people well, do I mean they think that, that lot, like
1: or... time and light can't escape from black holes, right? So it's it kind of works. Sure. I had a I had Orion explaining string theory to me once for like forty minutes and um Yeah, same here actually. I called him on the phone. I was like, Hey, why don't you, want you to tell me about this shit? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, the same thing he,
0: and he, he's like, "Oh, let me tell you all about it." Uh, and and he told me and I still don't understand the shit like whatsoever. Like it's just too much for me. He ended up at some point explaining how some people thought that our world is a 2D projection potentially. Um
2: yeah.
0: That's the right, right. That that young right. appropriate. Yeah,
1: tired. Right.
0: And like I was like, "Yeah, I don't get any of this. Like, I don't get it's it. not all this fucking cheese that I eat. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The pre cut cheese though. So. Okay. It is so pre-cut.
2: Right. Yeah. I Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> right Frank showing me the Yeah.
1: Yep, it's pre cut. I see it. The now empty package.
0: So thank you for listening, everybody. I hope we didn't press you too much. Um, or angry you because there's certainly fifty percent of you that liked most of these movies. Um yeah. And, uh, but next week we'll be more positive. We'll be back to um, talking about things that Frank likes. And um, we'll be doing that for uh, probably the rest of the year at this point, I think. So, I hope to God. So, um, and next year we'll probably do another worst of um, type thing just to torture ourselves. Um, Everybody be safe. Please wear your masks. Other than that, I hope everybody had a good fourth and have a great week. Yep. Goodbye good thought. <sighs>